someone that was new When I ask you to explain You find excuses and complain You always underestimate my brain Very warm welcome on this Wednesday, January the 6th, 2021. So glad to have you along. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. And every Wednesday we play a mystery or a detective story. And that's what we have lined up for you today. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, it's an episode of Dragnet because I get so many requests to play Dragnet. So what you need to do right now is get over in that big, easy chair, get your feet up, get yourself maybe a little snack, a little something to drink, and let the cares of the day drift away, because we're going to come right back at you with this week's Old Time Radio Mystery. the 27th of April to be exact. This is Dragnet. This one features Jack Crucian, Herb Ellis, and Ralph Moody is in this one. It's entitled The Big Lift, and the lift in this case is The Big Shoplift. And I think you'll find it kind of fascinating. I, I never worked a lot of retail. I sold shoes for the May Company for, I think, one summer, maybe 25 years ago, something like that. I was never informed how uh, teams would come in and do shoplifting. Now, we're not talking about, you know, picking something up and putting it in your pocket. We're talking about stealing tin suits. Anyway, I think you'll find it fascinating. So it sounds like the tactics haven't changed a lot. Uh, this one, though, conjured up a lot of memories about department stores. And I just got thinking back when I was a kid in 54 in, in the L.A. area. The three big department stores were May Company, Broadway, the Broadway store, and uh, Bullock's. And all three of those are gone now. All of them are Macy's. Now think about that. Bullock's was uh, a local chain. In fact, I just read a little something on this. I, I really found it interesting. See, Bullock's was founded in 1907 at 7th and Broadway in downtown L.A. by John G. Bullock. It says, in 1944, Bullock's acquired iMagnet, a venerable San Francisco-based upscale specialty chain. Bullock's, Bullock's, Wilshire, and iMagnet retained their autonomy after Federated bought them. And uh, they even expanded in iMagnet going into Chicago and Washington, D.C., and Bullock's opening stores in Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Northern California. 
1983, though, Federated shuttered the Bullock's Northern California division and sold most of its locations to a young Seattle upstart by the name of Nordstrom. It says uh, the end came quickly for Bullock's after Macy's filed for bankruptcy. It goes into a lot of this about how Federated uh, bought out Macy's and it was uh, overspent and they ended up in the red. I, Magnet, and Bullock's were then pruned of their uh, underperforming branches, and I, Magnet itself was dissolved in January 1995. In 1996, following the acquisition of Broadway stores, Federated consolidated all its traditional department store business in California under the Macy's nameplate, ending 89 years of Bullock's. <laughs> so you'll hear a lot on uh, the different shows. Jack Benny, of course, you hear about the May Company all the time. But you also hear other uh, radio shows talking about going down to Bullock's and Bullock's Wilshire in particular. So I, I just those were neat stores, neat stores. And there was another one that was based in Long Beach that expanded. We'll talk about that one a little bit after the show. But here it comes from 1954. This is Dragnet and the Big Lift. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. Dragnets. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to forgery division, shoplifting detail. An organized gang of thieves has started operating in your city. In spite of the precautions taken, the thieves are still working. Your job? Stop them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, September 20th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of forgery division, shoplift detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. We were on our way out from the office, and it was 9.45 a.m. when we got to the eighth floor of the Whitfield Department store. Security office. Yes, sir, can I help you? We'd like to see Mr. Dunlop. I believe he's expecting you. Your name? Joe Friday. Oh, yes. You want to go right in? Thank you. Thanks, man. This door here? Yes, go right in. Come on in. Hi, Jerry. You know Frank, don't you? Sure. How's it going? Hi, Jerry. You boys want to sit down? Thank you. I'll have the girl sent up. Okay. Yes, sir? You want to have Miss Evans sent up, please? Miss Evans, yes, sir. I'd like to ask you guys a favor. What's that, Jerry? Poor kid thinks this whole thing is her fault. I'd appreciate it if you could take it easy on her. Well, we'll do our best. Sure. What'd they get away with this time? Oh, here's a list. Thank you. Here's a copy for you, Frank. Oh, thanks. You got any idea when they were in? It's hard to tell for sure. We're open Friday night, and then Saturday's a pretty rough day. It wasn't until after closing we found it. I figured they either moved in late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Miss Evans' girl discovered the thefts, did she? No, no, she didn't know anything about it. The stock clerk found it. He was running through the inventory to replace the coats and suits. Noticed there were several that couldn't be accounted for. He called me. Mm -hmm. Evans' girl's in the department. I talked to her this morning. It looks like she waited on the pair. She able to come up with any kind of description? Yeah, I think she'll be able to help us. Oh, excuse me. Yes? Miss Evans is here. Oh, send her in, please. Yes, sir. 
Come in. You wanted to see me, Mr. Dunham? Yes. Would you come in, please? Yes, sir. Oh, Miss Evans, this is Sergeant Friday and Officer Smith. They're from the police department. How are you doing, Miss? Hello. I don't know why you want to see me, Mr. Dunlop. I told you I didn't know anything about them. I told you. You've got to believe me. I didn't have anything to do with them. I never saw them before. Now, you just sit down, Miss Evans. Thank you. Now, the officers are here to just talk to you. They want to ask you a couple of questions. There's nothing wrong. You mean I'm not going to lose my job? No. Really? You're not going to fire me? We never even considered it. I don't know how to thank you. My first job and to have a thing like this happen. Sure, appreciate it. Anything you want to know, I'll tell you. You just ask, I'll tell you. All right, Miss Evans. Have you any idea who might have stolen the merchandise? Well, didn't you tell them what I said, Mr. Dunlop? Well, I thought it would be better if they heard it from you. Oh, I see. Well, I think I know who they were. I've tried to remember all the people I waited on, everyone. There's only two that stand out, like they were different. How do you mean different, Miss? Well, they didn't seem like the other customers. You know, like they really wanted to buy something. Yeah. They just wanted to look around. I could tell they didn't really want to take anything with them. We had a course on that in school. How to tell if a customer really wanted to buy? Mm-hmm. That was one of the class problems, to sell a customer who didn't really want to buy anything. Yes, ma'am. About these people, what was it they did that makes you think they might have been the shoplifters? Well, first, the way they talked. I was trying to wait on other people at the same time, and they kept me showing them all kinds of things. It took me almost a half an hour to clean up after they left. There were two people, is that right? Yeah, a man and a woman. Can you give us a description of them? I told Mr. Dunlop all about it. You want me to go over it again? I've got it, Joe. I'm having a type for you now. All right, fine. You want me to tell it again? Well, we'll check it with you. Yes, ma'am. What kind of things do these people want to see, ma'am? Oh, just about everything at the counter. They had me so mixed up, I didn't know what to do. Told you I was trying to wait on another customer. woman who wanted to buy a suit, I kept trying to take care of her. She finally left. These two were causing so much trouble. Every time I left them, I couldn't even take care of the woman. She got mad and left. I don't really blame her. You know, Mr. Dunlop, there really should be more people up there. Only three girls, and when we get busy, there just aren't enough to go around. Lots of customers walk out. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what we can do. Lots of times they walk out without buying something because there isn't anybody to help them. Mm-hmm. This woman who walked out, could you describe her for us? You bet. She was real nice. Had a lot of patience. Kept waiting for me to go back and take care of the troublemakers. Never said a word. Well, can you tell us what she looked like? Well, I'd say she's about 35. It's hard to say for sure. She took real good care of herself. You know, hair all nice and good makeup. Not cheap, like nice hands and a manicure. Was she carrying any packages when she came in? Do you remember? Mm, gee, I've got to think about that. I don't think so. Oh, you know, a couple of paper bags, like from the notions department. Maybe face cream or cologne, things like that. No large boxes? No. I don't see why you're so interested in her. The other two were the ones who caused the trouble. They're the ones who must have taken things. Why are you asking about the lady? How was she dressed, do you remember? Oh, just beautifully. Had on a gray suit with large lapels. Kind of peplum that came out like this. Rhinestone buttons, beautifully good taste. She wearing a coat? Mm-hmm. Long. Had a stand-up collar, real full skirt, tight bodice. Where was she looking at the suits? Over by the counter. She'd hold them up, you know, in front of the mirror. She knew what she wanted. Looked at the material, the way they were made. She'd have bought if I could have spent a little time with her. She liked the merchandise, liked everything I showed her. Mm-hmm. How many things did you take off the racks for? I guess she looked at a dozen styles. You know, a dozen real high-style suits. That seemed to be all she was interested in. You don't think she had anything to do with it, stealing, though, do you? Well, looks like she was the one who did the actual taking of the merchandise. The other two were there to keep you busy. I can't believe that. She was so nice, never seemed to get upset, even when I couldn't spend more time with her. Real nice. Didn't get upset at all when she couldn't find what she wanted. I'm afraid you're wrong there. Hmm? She found it. We continued to interrogate the witness. We got complete descriptions of the trio, their physical appearance, and their method of operation matched those of the gang Frank and I had been looking for for the past six weeks. Alice Evans was shown mug shots of known shoplifters, but she was not able to give us an identification. 
We made arrangements for her to come down to the office and check additional mud files. The average citizen looks at shoplifting as a petty nuisance, which businessmen are expected to endure. This is not entirely true. Shoplifting is big business. Last year, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of merchandise was stolen from stores in the Los Angeles area alone. Most of the goods stolen by organized gangs is sold to fences for final disposal. During the course of our investigation, we'd been working with Stores Protective Association, incorporating all of the security officers in the larger businesses. M.O. bulletins had been gotten out on the gang's activities. From what we'd been able to find out, there were three people working as a unit, two women and a man. The three suspects would enter a store and split up. One of the women would pretend to be looking at merchandise, while the other two suspects would engage the clerk in conversation, in that way keeping her away from the first member of the trio. The articles stolen were almost always either coats or suits, and we noticed that one line of merchandise seemed to attract the criminals more than others. Monday, 3.46 p.m., Frank and I went down to a second-hand clothing store on 5th Street to talk to the owner. Be right with you. Toby? Yeah. Hi, fellas. What's going on? Oh, we got some things we want to talk to you about, Toby. Sure, just having a cup of coffee in the back. Come on, I'll pour you a cup. Fine, uh, thank you. In here? Yeah, sit down. Get you some gather. Thanks. Anything special? No, we're just fishing, Toby. Thought you might be able to come up with a little something for us, maybe. And here you go. Either of you want sugar? No, no. No, thanks. Don't use it. Just doing part of your work here. Is that right? Yeah, buy sheets. Want to get in the mail tonight. Well, we don't want to keep you, Toby. Yeah, no trouble, Sergeant. Max getting a little tired anyway. Just soon stop and have a cigarette. How's business? Pretty good? I'm keeping up. Now, what can I do for you? You got anything on a boosting gang working around? Nothing more than usual. Why? Well, we got a bunch that's giving us a little trouble. We're trying to come up with something that'll hang together on them. Two men and a woman? Yeah. You got anything on them? Oh, nothing worth repeating. Rumbled around about the three of them. That's about it. If I had any more, I'd have called you sooner. Where's the information coming from? Well, you know how it is, Sergeant. You hear something here, something else there. You put them together. You come up with a story, but no way to trace it. Yeah, I know. You got any idea where the stuff is being sold? Same answer. Rumble's got it that all the loot's being shipped out of town. Some it back east, some goes up north. I got a piece the other day that some of it's going to Mexico. Mexico, huh? Yeah, most of it's ending up in the east, though. You know any reason they'd be hitting one brand more than the others? Got a word, that's about all. What's that? The gang's laying it out around town that they'll pay up to 25 bucks for a suit. You know, going price is around five, maybe six and a half. Mm-hmm. Figures that if you can do better with one line, that's what you're going to boost. Huh. Why has the price gone up? Yeah, the only way I can figure it is that they're worth more on the market. Anybody approached you? Nah, if they had, you'd have been called right away. You know that. Yeah. You got any idea where we might be able to pick up anything on the trio? Not right out, but I'll tell you one thing. What's that? Oh, yeah, I got it. There's four of them. Yeah? Two men, two women. A man's a gun. He sets up the deals, makes a shipment. How are they getting the stuff out, Toby? Do you know? Pick up a kid and offer him a trip. Ask him to deliver a suitcase. Works out good for him. Carrier doesn't know who he's working for. Can't lead the cops back to the operation. Mm-hmm. About the only way I can figure it. You say none of the stolen stuff showing up down here? Mm-hmm, nothing so far. Well, thanks a lot, Toby. If you hear anything, we'd sure appreciate a call. Sure thing. Real good coffee, Toby. Instant. I make it in the percolator. Well, you mean that powdered stuff? You don't have to make that in a coffee pot. Habit, I guess. <laughs> well, thanks again. We won't keep you, Toby. Oh, hang on a minute. All right. Yes, sir? What can I do for you? Buy used clothes? Yes, sir. What have you got to sell? That's in the car. I just want to be sure you're buying stuff. Well, bring it in. We'll take a look at it. 
Okay, Toby, we'll see you later, huh? Right, Sergeant. Give me a call. Right. I'll be right back. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, what do you think of that, Sergeant? Sure in a hurry, isn't he? Yeah, let's see why. Come on. Yeah. You see him? Yeah. Right up there. Hey, hold it up there. Huh? What do you want? What's the matter? Didn't you hear me? I asked you to wait back there. Well, sure, I heard you. I didn't know you were talking to me. What do you want? Police officer. You want to step over to the car? I want to ask you a couple questions. Well, I haven't done anything. I didn't say you did. Well, why do you want to talk to me? What do you want me to come Come on, let's go. All right. Making a mistake. I haven't done anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Got the wrong man. You got no reason to talk to me. All right. Get in. All right, sit still. What are you doing? You won't find anything. I don't know what you guys are after. I haven't done anything. Take your wallet out. Why? Take it out. Here. Take the money out of it. You always carry that much money, do you? No, not always. I know. You keep the money in your hand. Give me the wallet. Here you are. This your true name? Hmm? Kenneth Elgin Norris. This your right name? Yeah. You live here now, do you? No, not now. Where do you live? I got a room over on 7th. You want me to run a make on it? Yeah, will you? Here. Here's his ID. Thanks. 1K80 to control 1. 1K80 to control 1. Control 1 to 1K80. Go ahead. Check for 1. Kenneth Elgin Norris. That's N-O-R-R-I-S. Male white American. 26 years. 5 feet 10 and 3 quarters. 168 pounds. Black hair, brown eyes. KMA 367. 1K80, Roger. Stand by. What's all that about? Checking to see if you're wanted in any place. Oh. You ever been in trouble? Me with the cops? That's right. No, never. Why'd you leave the clothing store in such a hurry? I remembered I had to meet a guy. I remembered I was late. Who's the guy? A friend of mine. You wouldn't know him. Well, try us. It's a guy named Arthur. I don't know his last name. Where were you going to meet him? A bar down the street. What about the clothes you wanted to sell? What about it? Where are they? I don't know. Well, you went in to sell something that you didn't have. Is that it? Well, I was going to pick him up from Arthur. You don't know his last name? No. How come you were going to sell the clothes? Huh? Why were you going to sell the clothes? Well, that's a silly question. Why does anybody sell anything? Because I needed the money. You look like you're sitting pretty good. Well, I got to leave town. I'm selling all my stuff. I thought you said the clothes belong to this Arthur guy. Well, they do, but I'm going to sell them for him. He said he'd give me a piece of the profit. Why doesn't he sell them himself? Well, I don't know. You better ask him. We'll try to. Now get the rest of the stuff out of your pocket. Come on, everything. Uh, you guys are making a big mistake. You know that, don't you? A real big mistake. Well, if we're wrong, we'll tell you. Yeah. Here it is. Comb, change, cigarettes, and a lighter. That's all there is. You sure? Well, why would I lie? Turn your pockets inside out. What? Turn them inside out. All right. All of them. The other one, too. Told you I gave everything I had. There isn't anything else. Oh. What's that? Huh? Move your foot. What's this? Looks like a key. What's it for? Well, I don't know. It isn't mine. Well, maybe it belongs to Arthur. It could be. It isn't mine. Looks like a check locker key, doesn't it? It might be. I never saw it before. Came out of your pocket, didn't it? No, it didn't. It must have been on the floor all the time. It isn't mine. 1K80, your suspect has a felony record including burglary and is now wanted for parole violation. 1K80, Roger. KMA367. Thought you said you'd never been in trouble. I made a mistake. Looks like you made more than one, doesn't it? What? Maybe you're wrong about the locker key. I told you. I never saw it before. Oh, sure. You want to sit with him, Frank? Yeah. I'll get to a phone. All right. It's just a key. What does that prove? I don't know. Let's find out what it opens. We got the location of the locker, and with the suspect, Frank and I drove over and removed a large black suitcase. The locks on the case had been broken, and inside we found 11 women's suits of the same type that had been stolen from the Los Angeles stores. 
All identifying labels had been removed, but we were able to find the tag issued by the National Recovery Board inside the seams of the suits. We got in touch with their Los Angeles office, and they told us that the serial number had been issued to a San Francisco company. On the way back to the city hall, we stopped and searched the suspect's room thoroughly, but we found nothing. When we got to the squad room, Frank went to the business office to arrange a phone call to San Francisco, and I took the suspect to the interrogation room. 6.20 p.m. You guys got to believe me. That stuff's not mine. I don't know where it came from. Where'd you get the key? Well, it's not mine. I never saw it before. That's kind of hard to buy. Well, I don't care if you want it or not. That's the way it is. Tell us a little more about this, Arthur, will you? I told you everything I know. Where'd you meet him? In a bar down on Main. I told you that before. Now, what's the matter? Don't you believe me? You're making it tough to believe. I'm telling you the truth. Where'd the suits come from? I don't know. All right, here. Take another look at them. Might help you remember, huh? They were in the suitcase when Arthur gave them to me. That's all I know. Where'd he get them? I don't know. Did he steal them? Well, I don't know. Why'd he give them to you? He just said he wanted me to take care you of them. You told us before he wanted you to sell them, didn't you? Well, he did. Where were you going to make the payoff after they were sold? He said he'd get in touch with Where? me. Where? Around. He said he'd find me. He gave you over $500 worth of suits, and he said he'd get in touch with you, huh? That's right. When? Sometime. He didn't name a date? No, just said he'd look me up. How many times have you been arrested? You got the record. Why are you asking me? We want you to tell us. I don't know. I forget. We'll take a guess. Oh, a few times. Five. You got the record. When's the last time you checked with your parole officer? I forget. You know your packages tab? No, I didn't know until I heard it on the radio. You had no idea, huh? No. You went up for burglary, is that right? Yeah, they sent me up to the joint. You know you're going back, don't you? Yeah, I guess. Not going to look good to have another charge marked on you. What do you mean? Burglary. How'd you dig that one up? These suits? If you can't explain them, it isn't going to look too good, is it? Look, I told you, Arthur gave them to me. And he said he'd get in touch with you. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Come up with the answers yet? Says he doesn't know them. Yeah? Maybe we can help. Hmm? Just got through talking with a Georgia writer up north. Yeah. He checked the records. Code numbers from the shipment to the Whitfield department store. Looks like the bunch were after. Now, who's Arthur? You mean the suits were stolen? You called it. Who's Arthur? Look, I don't want to go back to the joint on a beef like this. We don't decide that. But if I help you guys, you'll take care of me. You'll talk to my parole officer. I can't make any deals with you. Yeah, but I don't want to fall this way. That's up to you, mister. You're sitting in the middle. Now, which way do you want to go? Nobody can help you but yourself. Miss Arthur must be a fine friend, leaving you with a bunch of stolen merchandise. Might be the way you figured it. What's the matter? Doesn't Arthur like you? Okay, I'll go the route. Now, I'll tell you where to find him. We called a stenographer, and Kenneth Norris gave us a complete statement. He said that he'd been approached by a man that he knew only as Arthur and asked to carry a suitcase to St. Louis. Once there... A man would have him paged at the airport and take the valise from him. In return for this service, the suspect was to be paid $100 and his expenses. Norris explained that he decided he could do better by selling the contents of the suitcase himself. This information was forwarded to the St. Louis Police Department. We got a complete description of the man he knew as Arthur and had the suspect check through the mug books, but he was unable to make an identification. We got in touch with his parole officer and told him that we had Norris in custody. We asked that we be allowed to detain him for a few days. The following morning, we met with Chief of Detectives Thad Brown and Captain Welsh. It was decided that Norris would take us to the bar where he'd met the thief and he'd point him out. Norris would then be brought back to the main jail and booked, and I would try to establish myself with this Arthur. In that way, we'd have a better chance of building a case that we could take to court and apprehending the entire shoplifting gang. On Wednesday morning, September 22nd, Norris, Frank, and I drove over to Main Street. We checked the bar, but the suspect wasn't there. We waited in our car, which was parked down the street. Arthur failed to arrive. He didn't show up at the bar on Thursday or Friday. Saturday, 12.40 p.m., Norris pointed down the street. There, that's him just going in the place. Fell in the gray suit there? Yeah, that's him. You sure? I got no reason to lie, have I? All right, Frank. 
Yeah. You want to take Norris back to the office? I'll go on in. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Sergeant? Yeah. I'll give you something for free. Yeah, what's that? Take it easy with Arthur. Don't press. How do you mean that? He's a pretty rough guy. That's so? Yeah, I hear he carries a gun. Be a lot of trouble if he's got it with him. Not unless he tries to use it. I left Frank at the curb and walked into the bar. I saw the man that we knew as Arthur sitting at the rear of the place. I took a seat near the front door and ordered a cup of coffee. In a few minutes, I walked back toward Arthur. Something you want? Yeah, I wondered if I could have one of your cigarettes there. There's a machine up front. Well, if I had the price, I'd have bought a pack coming in. All right. Here. Got a match? How are you fixed for breath? Look, I just asked you for a cigarette. If you don't want to give me one, say so and I'll shove off. Never mind. Here's your match. Thank you. Hey, you. Yeah. You're broke, huh? All the way. Just get in town? This morning. Where from? Up north. Narrow it down. Look, mister, here's your cigarette bag. Give me one of these. Doesn't entail you to my life story. You hungry? I haven't eaten for two days. Here. Thanks. Appreciate this. How long are you going to be in town? Well, it depends on how things work out. You got a job? Well, I'm going to look. What do you do? Whatever pays. Tell you what. Well? I got some friends around town. Might be able to use you. Check with me in a couple of days. Might be able to do something for you. Well, how do I get in touch with you? Meet me here. I tag the place a couple times a week. Just ask if Arthur's around. What's your name? That's what I'm using this season. You look me up, kid. We'll work something out. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I sat and talked to Arthur for another half hour. During that time, he wouldn't tell me his last name, and I had no way of finding out anything more about him. At 12.10, I saw Frank drive by the front door. That was the signal that the crew of detectives were standing by to follow the suspect. I left the bar and walked down Main Street up to 7th. Frank was waiting for me. We drove back to the city hall and discussed what had happened with Chief Brown and Captain Welsh. During the next three days, Arthur was kept under constant surveillance. He didn't drive an automobile. He contacted no one. We were able to learn a considerable amount about the man. Although he didn't try to make contact with any other members of the gang, it was obvious that he was the prime fence and that he was directing the operation. Wednesday afternoon, I walked into the bar on Main Street. Arthur wasn't there, but the bartender said that he was expecting him. I waited. At 6.47 p.m., the suspect entered the place. He took a seat at the rear of the bar and motioned me back. Hi. I've been looking for you. All right. Yeah. wonder if you've been able to come up with that job you were talking about. I could sure use a touch. You like to travel? What? I think I might have something for you. You got to go out of town, though. For dough? I wouldn't ask you any other way. Well, what do I have to do? A friend of mine has a suitcase he wants to deliver to a party in Chicago. Why doesn't he send it by mail? Doesn't want it to go that way. He wants it delivered personally. Well, what's it pay? All your expenses and a hundred bucks. Well, what's in the suitcase? That isn't any of your business. Well, what happens if I get picked up? I don't know I'm not carrying anything hot. You got to take my word for it, Gene. All right. Who do I deliver the suitcase to? I'll meet you in the morning. I'll give you the bag then. You catch a 10 o'clock plane. When you land at Chicago, go to the coffee shop. You'll be paged. Meet the man and give him the suitcase. Well, how do I know if it's the right guy? We'll give you the name. He's the only one who knows what the name is and when you're coming in. All right. Where do I meet you? Be out in front of this place at 8 in the morning. I'll pick you up. Just one more thing. How about the money? You won't need any going back. When you turn over the suitcase to my friend, he'll give you the 100. You already have your ticket. All right. Sounds okay. Not as permanent as I'd like. 
you carry this off, we'll be able to do more business. Well, I'll meet you here then at uh, 8 in the morning, is that right? Right. Be on time. I don't want you to miss that plane. Lot depends on this deal. I don't want anything to go wrong. Now, don't worry. What? Neither do I. I left the bar and met Frank. We stood to the front of the place, and at 9.56 p.m., the suspect came out. He called a cab, and we followed him. He went out to the apartment where we knew he lived. Frank and I waited out front. At 11.20, a car pulled up in front of the place, and three people got out. They matched the description of the thieves in our shoplifting operation. They were carrying a large suitcase. We waited for 10 minutes, and then Frank and I went up to Arthur's apartment. Number 408, huh? Down this way. Uh-huh. I get the door. Wait a minute. All right. Yeah. Who is it? In a minute. What are you doing here? What's this all about, Art? Police officers, you're under arrest. Stand still. Oh, cop, a lousy cop. Should have known. I thought I could trust you. I thought you were honest. Yeah, you sure pick him. A cop for a messenger boy. You're real smart. I thought I could depend on him. I thought he was honest. You don't know what the word means. How about it, mister? Huh? Do you? The story you've just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On January 18th, trial was held in Department 97, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. Arthur Nelson Thompson, Samuel Donald Hickok, Georgia Baxter Nielsen, and Dorothy Marie Simpson were tried and convicted of burglary in the second degree, 14 counts. They received sentence as prescribed by law. Burglary in the second degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period not less than one, nor more than 15 years. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank the editors of Cosmopolitan Magazine for this month's pictorial feature on Jack Webb and Dragnet. Cosmopolitan, the May issue... On your newsstands tomorrow. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Frazier. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Jack Crucian, Alice Bacchus, Ralph Moody, Herb Ellis. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely different Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspapers for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Crime and Peter Chambers, following John Cameron Swayze on the NBC Radio Network. From April 1954, that was Dragnet and the Big Lift. Department stores have really changed. Do you remember how fancy some of them used to be? In in Long Beach, there was a, a store downtown by the name of Buffums, which was a local store. There was actually two. There was another one called Walker's. And Walker's never did expand, 
But Buffum's was a little fancier even, even than Walker's. It was founded, again, in 1904. Isn't that the same year Bullock's was started, or at least the same decade? And it was uh, founded in Long Beach, and it grew over the years to 16 stores throughout the L.A. and Orange County areas. Over the years, and, and I, it's funny, I had to look this up, it gained the reputation of being the grand dame of department stores in the area. And I remember that expression. The store's interiors were known for large chandeliers and other upscale touches. They did have a slogan uh, that I remember. It was, I've been to Buffum's. Be like a picture of a woman in an elegant dress. And the slogan would be, or the tagline, I've been to Buffum's. But I remember going in the one in downtown Long Beach, which of course, you know, was very old, but they kept it very nice. And and just a number of things that strike out in my mind. I remember going up on the elevators, and that's when they still had elevator operators. And they were usually women, and they had very nice suits on. Most of the time, they didn't even sit. Sometimes there was an older woman. They had a little fold-down seat uh, that she would sit on. But you would call out your floors, and as, as she would reach the floors, she would uh, say what was on the floor. You know, here's fifth floor, men's clothing, uh, sportswear. Fascinating. And those elevators would go faster, too. And she would have to stop them with that handle right on that floor. Now, this is obviously a memory from a little kid's point of view, right? They usually all had fancy restaurants in them. And uh, women would meet downtown to shop and then have lunch at Buffum's. But I remember they always had wood floors, nice wood floors, polished wood floors. And I, we had a neighbor and he worked for Walkers. It wasn't Buffum's. But I remember my dad commenting one time when I was a little kid. He says, oh, you know, Mr. Campbell has a good job. He's the floor walker at Walkers. And you'll hear on Fibber, McGee, and Molly, you'll often hear them talking about, let's find the floor walker. And I think you'll hear that on Jack Benny, too. Remember, the floor walkers always wore a carnation on their lapel. That's how you could tell it was the floor walker. Well, apparently, this was just a customer service gentleman that walked around the store in a suit and kind of took care of things. I don't think he was actually like a department manager where he was in charge of inventory and personnel and that sort of thing. He was just there for the customers. And that was considered a pretty good job. He made a pretty good salary. Isn't that something? What a change from today. Well, anyway, that was, I can still smell it though, walking into Buffum's. Downtown Long Beach was a trip, and I suppose downtown any place was great. There was, on the corner of Fourth and Pine, there was a big Savon drugstore. Boom, boom, Savon. And they used to do nickel ice cream cones, uh, 10 cents for two scoops. And there was probably eight flavors or 10 flavors, maybe a dozen. And there was always a line at the door for people buying ice cream at Savon. The poor sucker who had to sit there all day and just dip ice cream. I often thought that'd be a rough job. And they used the old-fashioned scoops. They didn't use one of those like Thrifty's had. But that you could not go to downtown Long Beach without getting an ice cream cone at Savon.
kick things in the head for this uh, Wednesday, uh, January the 6th. 2021. We'll be back tomorrow with an old-time radio western, and we hope that you join us then. We're going to go out tonight with a song from 1954, a big one by Patti Page. I don't think I've played this in a while, but that my addled old brain sometimes forgets. So if I've played this recently and I'm repeating it, uh, just please forgive me. But if not, this is this is really one of my favorite Patti Page songs. All right. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Soon 
that wonderful moment Something happened to my heart So I keep changing partners Till you're in my arms and then Oh my darling, I will never change partners again Thank you.